0: We you welcome Carrie. All right. I have, I have this. All right, can you guys hear me okay? Is it on? Did I do it right? Well, this is a fun spot to be in. That that light is very bright. Does it, does it have to be that bright? I thought it was... Right up there. It's funny when we're leading worship up there, you know, we have the lights so that, you know, the live stream, everyone can see us, but sometimes it's really hard to see out there. And so, so bear with us if I'm squinting. It's it's not because I'm angry, Um, it's because I'm trying to see. (laughs) Uh, Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Carrie Miller. I have been a member of this church for a whopping 36 years. 36 years in the same house, in the same church family. And let me tell you, it has been one of the greatest blessings of my life to have that relationship, to have that um, that steadiness, that security. Um, and I highly recommend it. If you <laughs> are searching for a church home, um, yeah, this is a great place to be. So know anyway, that's a little bit about me. Um, and what I want to talk about today is corporate worship and what we here at New Day hope that it looks like and what we hope it will accomplish when we gather together. And you might, as I go through, you know, my content here, you might recognize some of the things I say because from the microphone as I'm leading worship, I'm trying to exhort you to do um, things uh, together to unify us when we come together in worship. And so some of it you might have heard me say before, you might have heard Justin say it, or, or even the pastors, um, because there's a purpose uh, for when we come together to worship. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. And um, I don't know if you've noticed. If you're doing the Bible in a year plan, um, and we're reading over and over again, the God of Israel commands the nation of Israel to have no other gods before him. And over and over and over and over again, they forget the Lord their God. Um, They keep the high places. They're worshiping false idols and it stirs up the anger of the Lord. Or he just kind of abandons them to their own devices and then they realize, oh, what have we done? And they come and they grovel and they repent. And the Lord, you know, turns things around for them over and over and over. And we, we're the same way. <laughs> you know, we're, we're Christians, you know. You know, we believe in Jesus. You know, we have the hope of the resurrection. But over and over and over, we stumble and we forget The Lord our God, and we're trying, you know, to live our circumstances, and we forget, you know, that God is there. Um, And when we worship Him, it really, really changes our perspective, and it really, like, brings things into line. And so I hope for you guys that during the week you're in the Word. I hope that you have a prayer life, and I hope that you have a private worship life because that is vital. And just like the guys last week talked about, those are the chron- that's the Chronos timeline of being faithful to pursue God on the daily, on the weekly, so that when those big moments of decision come, you're ready because you're practiced in talking to the Lord, you're practiced in hearing his voice, and you're practiced having time in his presence. And so when we come together on Sunday morning, that's going to look a little differently because we as a corporate body, are gathering together in the name of the Lord, and each of us individually is coming and bringing an offering of praise and worship. And you have something to contribute, and you have something to bring, because it is meant to be wholly participatory. Um, This isn't a show. It's not a performance. You know, it's not meant for you to just be sitting on the sidelines observing What's going on, you know, it is really good for you to be an active participate, participant in corporate worship, and um, it will make it look a certain way. Um, and worship is the tool that opens that gateway to heaven. So the Lord establishes his covenant with Israel. You know, he builds a temple You know, first it's the tent of meeting, and then it's the temple, you know. And so the worshipers come, they ascend the hill of the Lord, and they come to worship together in the temple. Now, fast forward, Jesus comes. Jesus takes on himself the sin of the many, and he broke the veil. You know, literally from top to bottom, that veil that separated the people from that most holy place of God, Jesus' death and resurrection accomplished, removing that veil so there is no separation between God and his worshipers. And so when we come together, we are unveiled, and we get to meet face-to-face with God. And so worship is that tool that we use to open up that gate, Um, And it's possible for you to open your gate to other things um, if you're not worshiping the Lord, if you're worshiping something else, if you have an idol in your life, or if you spend all of your time, you know, doing such and such activity, you're kind of opening yourself up to something else. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later, but um, let me get... Into the word before I digress too much. Um, I'm going to read from Psalm 24. Um, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? So, this psalm, I'm going to pause right there on that first section. Um, the earth is the Lord's and all is fullness. The psalmist, his song begins with going right back to the beginning and acknowledging God as creator. You know, it's putting his attention on the one who created all things. He founded the seas, he established the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? Um, so Jesus made a way for us to come to him face to face without having to go to a specific location. You know, we can meet with him wherever we are just by turning our face to him. And it goes on to say, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. So going right back, don't have any other gods before him. You know, don't have any idols. Have clean hands and a pure heart. You know, keep yourself free from sin. You know, live a righteous, clean life. Um, that's, the, that's how you ascend into the hill of the Lord. And then it goes on to say, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. So this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. And that's, that's what this house of God should look like. We should be that generation. We are Jacob. We are the generation of those who seek him. We are the blessed of the Lord, and we... <sighs> because we're living life with Jesus, are living that righteous life, um, and we're receiving that righteousness right from the God of our salvation. So worship leads first to an awareness of God, um, putting our eyes and our focus on the Lord, our creator. Worship leads to repentance. Worship, worship leads to righteousness. And worship leads to seeking. Um, so we come together when we come into worship, we can repent right right out of the gate, you know, get right with God, and then we seek his face together. Um, and I still think, even though we don't physically have to ascend a mountain to get up to the temple of God, you know, we are now ourselves walking, talking temples, right? We um, have the Holy Spirit resident inside of us. But when we come together to worship, there is a spiritual ascent. There is some effort involved, right? Sometimes it doesn't come easy, and that's okay. Um, So we come together, and we are ascending the hill of the Lord. We are just turning our attention to him to ascend into that holy place. And quite frankly, sometimes it's, it's hard. And the benefit of doing it together in this house With your friends in this group, is that if you are feeling discouraged and you don't feel like going up the mountain, somebody else does. And as we're worshiping together, you know, hopefully the worship leading team, you know, is excited to ascend the hill, you know, so we're gonna, you know, grab along, grab you and take you along with us. But there are people in the congregation that are worshiping that are really going for it. And that will encourage the people around you to also really go for it. And in doing so, I'd like to suggest to you all that you are just as valuable as the members of the worship team, as worship leaders in the congregation, right from your seat. If you are all in, if you're seeking the face of God, if you're praising him with all of your strength and all of your might, you are helping your neighbor to come along too when they're struggling. You know, and so that's, what corporate worship looks like. Bringing your brother along with you, bringing your sister up the mountain to meet with the Lord so that when we're weak, we have help. And when we're strong, we can be the helpers. So um, and, and I think that's like the benefit, you know, of having been in this house for so long. Like my testimony is when I'm struggling to worship, even up here, if I'm like, having a hard time laying a hold of what the Holy Spirit is doing, I can just open my eyes and look out into the congregation and look at those people who are worshiping. And it stirs me up, you know, I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit is moving. I might not be hearing him really clearly in this moment, but he's moving in our midst. And when someone comes up to give a prophetic word or someone comes up to share a testimony, it is deeply encouraging. And like Marilee said this morning, it opens up opportunity with the Holy Spirit, for him to do things again and again. And so that's what we want it to look like. And we share the same spirit, and we come together, and we come into agreement and unity, and we sing about it. And that, uh, but back to Psalm 24. I want to go back to the gate metaphor. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, lift up you everlasting doors, and let the King of Glory come in. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of Glory. Once again, we are the gates. We are the entrance for the King of Glory to come in. And <laughs> our our minds. Right here between our ears. Like, this is a battleground, right? Right? This is like th- the biggest battleground that there is, literally, unless you're a soldier and you're going to war. Like, the, the battleground of your mind, you know, where you live, where your thoughts reside, where, what you're giving your attention to, what you're meditating on, what you're dwelling on, you know, it's, it's just no wonder that this psalmist is saying, lift up your heads. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your heads, you everlasting doors. Let the king of glory come in. So let him come in to your mind. Let him come in to your spirit. Um, And he's mighty in battle. You know, he's mighty in battle. He's mighty to change your perspective. He is mighty to get your attention right back on him. Because when our attention is on him, our perception changes, everything changes. And so again, corporate worship, really, really, really strong opportunity to have an encounter with the presence of God, to be encouraged by one another, and to have our perceptions changed and come into alignment into agreement with the Word of God. Um, I want to read from First Corinthians now, chapter three, verses 16 through 18. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So when we come into his presence, (laughs) and that veil is taken away, and that's, something we do over and over again, you know, we have our salvation moment, that veil is first taken away, and we realize who Jesus is, that he's Lord, you know, we receive him as Lord of our life, but as a continual practice, we have to go to him and remove that veil over and over again, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, so when we worship, it leads to freedom, and I think that the enemy, the devil would like nothing more than to keep us bound up and to have a lack of freedom, right? Um, So he's going to do anything that he can to distract you and to get your attention off of the Lord and thinking about other things because he doesn't want you to be free. But worship leads to transformation because we will look like what we worship. When we behold the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into his image. As a mirror, we're meant to reflect the glory of the Lord. So hopefully when we've come in to worship and we've encountered the Lord, we're being transformed. And then when we go out, people should be able to see something in our face that reflects the glory of God. And how do we do that? It's by practicing Being in his presence, it's by beholding him, we're going to become like what we worship. And so that's just no wonder why he doesn't want us to have any other gods before him, right? He wants us to look like him. He wants us to be beautiful reflections of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us, you know, jaded. He doesn't want us corrupt. He doesn't want us um, cynical, you know? Um, So that's why. Worship is so important. Um, And then now from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And since we have the same spirit, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. So I said this earlier, we share the same spirit. So when we come together in unity over the word, you know, we sing about it. And so um, we believe and therefore we speak. Um, And so again, (laughs) we share the same spirit. So we're the gates. And when we open our gate a little bit, when we come together to worship, let's just imagine like the river of God, through our little gate so I got a little portion my gates open you've got a little portion your gates open you know yeah everybody do this like open your gate and so there's a little your stream is starting to come through in the meeting right Um, (laughs) and the word of your testimony you know is starting to come through the meeting and then Maybe, you know, the Lord softens our heart a little bit. He be, we begin, you know, encountering his presence and our hearts are opened and our gates open a little wider. That, that river is going to start rushing through and our gates are wider and our gates are wider. And pretty soon, you know, the river of God shows up. You know, the Holy Spirit starts moving. He starts speaking. You know, um, edification is happening, that life-giving flow um, from the throne of grace, the Holy Spirit operating through his people and his manifest presence coming into the meeting, it's because we're opening our gate, you know? And um, so we share the same spirit. And when we come together in the spirit, it just, things happen. It has to. It's, it's what the word says. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving up to abound to the glory of God. So, so why do we use songs? Like, why music? You know? Th- and if you think about it, I mean, it's pretty, pretty simple. Like, music is influential, right? Have you ever watched a scene from a movie with no soundtrack? It's really boring, right? It's like, it's not... But you put that soundtrack under it, you know, even even that little kid song that had a modulation at the end. And, you know, like, it's like, oh, something happened. You know, it's just the key changed. And it's like, oh, it makes it exciting. So music is a tool that we use. um, And there's power in the collective song. And all throughout the Old Testament, um, there were songs that commemorated like really big events, right? And they would sing these songs to remember what the Lord had done. And, um, you know, David, oh, Saul slew thousands, David 10,000, you know. Saul got really jealous about that, you know. Um, But just the songs to remember, like, what the Lord has done. And you probably have songs that you love because they were around at key moments in your life. You know, couples have our songs. You know, it's like that they like to dance too because, you know, they fell in love and that was their song. And, um, and even worship songs, you know, you go through your Christian walk into different seasons of your life and, and there are songs that just minister to you powerfully. And you love those songs and you wonder why we don't do those songs. You know, it's like you should do those songs, you know, because they mean something to you because they cause you to remember something significant in your life. And they bring you back to a moment in time. And so here at New Day, when we select songs, you know, we want songs that are substantial, that that, um, mirror the word of the Lord, you know, that we love songs that are directly from scripture, like the kids' songs, you know, to memorize scripture. You know, you got a song that's just straight up scripture. I love those because it just gets the word in us and it brings us together. We're in agreement. We have harmony. And, you know, we're singing about the same things. And that does something in the spirit because we're in unity. Um, So so just like songs help us to come together um, and help us to remember the Lord our God. You know, the word says that our songs are like incense to him. They're like a sweet aroma. So the sound of our worship and the aroma, that fragrant worship is going up heavenward. So while we're singing songs to remember God, God's catching the aroma of our worship. So our attention is turning to him and his attention is turning toward us. And and there's meeting there. Um, And so that's why we use songs. That's why we use music. Um, And we've had some really good teaching over the last year or two about practicing the presence of God and and the actions of worship, singing, bowing down, raising your hands. You know, I'm not going to cover all of those again, but what I want to ask you today is, like, what are your hang-ups? When you come into corporate worship, what is holding you back? Like, what's keeping you from engaging and fully participating Anyone want to dare to throw one out there? You're sleepy. <laughs> yeah, and so the, and, you know, and I think that's just one of those examples where you come in sleepy, but everyone you know, other people that are supercharged and pumped to be here, all of a sudden, you just decide you're going to participate, and that sleepiness, you know, it just falls off, because, you know, as we learned from the kid's song, the, the joy of the Lord renews your strength. right? What else? Self-consciousness. Okay, so you're worried someone's looking at you. Well, I've already said that you can be a great example by being an ardent worshiper. So if you're all in and someone does look at you, it's going to ignite them to be all in too. right? And if you're worried about that, that's just a little bit of pride operating right there. You know, there's (laughs) just, <laughs> it, you know, we all have it. Yeah, it's not just you. It's not, that's not a diss or anything. But, you know, if you're too proud to worship the Lord, um, I think your pride might just be a little bit of an idol that you got to knock down. Uh, yeah, if you're dwelling on unforgiveness, if that's, In your mind, if that's what you're thinking about, instead of, you know, then repent. You know, just like Psalm 24, you know, clean hands, pure heart, just repent. You know, and the forgiveness of the Lord is immediately available, and you just change gears. How about I don't like that song? (laughs) We're singing that song again. right that's just another okay when we prepare worship here at new day we're not picking our favorite songs we're just not every week our worship leaders are seeking the lord asking holy spirit what he wants to do and we pick our songs accordingly and we purposely don't do constant. New songs all the time because we want you to be able to worship freely. And if you're constantly having to look at words and read new songs all the time, it makes it difficult to enter in. And it's good to introduce new songs, and we do, and we will. Um, but we do it with a purpose to use them over and over again because then all of a sudden the song isn't the focus. The Lord's the focus. We're worshiping together under a united theme. And, you know, we don't want you to be distracted. You know, there are just some beautiful, beautiful worship songs out there that I will never do because they have so many words. And, you know, you're just reciting lyrics at that point. And I want this corporate worship where we're seeking the Lord together. He's moving in our midst. We're in unity. Our floodgates are open. And we're just encountering the power of God. And so we purposely use songs to remove distraction, to bring us into unity. And we like to also write songs. And I think that the sound of our praise, our unique sound of praise, that unique aroma that's catching the attention of the Lord and accomplishing what, you know, the theme for our church body at the time is, that's important to us too. So, you know, we write our own songs and we do them routinely. And I hope you'll engage with them because the Lord's doing something, you know, and the more we are unified, the more we are together, just the more opportunity for him to move and for you to go away encouraged, for you to be being transformed. And... um, (sighs) For all things are for your sakes. that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. If we leave here full of thanksgiving, it's going to abound to the glory of God. And this is what it's all about, you know, communion with God and knowing how generous he is that even this practice of worship that he commands us to do, we get so much more out of it than he does. We get so much more. We are the, we get all the benefit when we just obey and we follow his command. Like we get the new life. We get to be full of the Holy Spirit. Like how amazing is God that obeying this commandment to worship him just benefits us 100%. So (laughs) I want to practice this together. We're going to do, we split up worship today so that I can give you this exhortation and that we could practice this together. And I'm just hoping that framing corporate worship like this for you and saying what we hope it looks like and what we hope it will accomplish will just change things. It'll up your expectation for what's going to happen when we worship together. That'll just, oh, I have a purpose. I have a contribution. I should come in full with a full open gate so that the rivers, you know, can flow. And so if the worship team wants to come up, I've got that last slide. This is just kind of summing up just stuff from those three passages of scripture Just in summary, this is what worship accomplishes. An increased awareness of God, a corporate ascension, ascending together, repentance, blessing and righteousness, seeking together, opening up your gate, the king of glory coming in, freedom and transformation, and thanksgiving abounding.